playing Here Comes the Sun after a seemingly week of no sun. And then I'm going to throw in Raj and Bob's Calling In Well. I don't know if you've ever heard this. You are listening to Your Community Spirit on Your Community Radio. So, Bob, you went to work today, and I'm a little bit, well, upset because I didn't see you at work, and I was at work, and I had to take up the slack for you, man, and I'd just like to know what was the deal. You done ranting? Pretty much, but... Okay, I'll... How about... Yeah, okay, tell me. I, okay. I hit the clover leaf and started to merge. I know the spot. All of a sudden, I felt the urge. What urge? Took the off-ramp, barren right. I turned the corner and I made the light. Yeah, well, back down Main Street to my drive. Uh-huh. Felt so good to be alive. Okay. I grabbed the phone in the downstairs hall. I found the number and I made the call. Yeah, I told the boss, I'm feeling fine. Plenty of sleep and plenty of time. Well, what do you mean? He didn't get it. I could tell. I had to say I'm calling in well, calling in well. I'm not sick. I ain't broke down. This ain't no tr- No alibis, lies, or story to tell. Feeling fine and I'm calling in well. You want to hear more? Oh, yeah, I'd love to hear what uh, happened today. I took a day to enjoy life. I can dig it. Spend some time with the kids and the wife. Good deal. Called the schoolhouse before the last bell. Said, teacher, my kids are calling in well. Calling in well. I'm not sick. I ain't broke down. This ain't no trick. No alibis, lies, or story to tell. Feeling fine and I'm calling in well. So, uh, what'd you do then? Just out of curiosity. Oh, you want to hear more? We took a drive. We ate some lunch. Uh-huh. Went to the park. And laughed a bunch Walked in the woods to smell There ain't nothing better than Calling in well Calling in well I'm not sick I ain't broke down This ain't no trick No alibis, lies, or story to tell Feeling fine and I'm calling in well Calling in well I'm not sick I ain't broke down This ain't no trick no alibis, lies, or story to tell. Feeling fine and I'm calling in well. What a day for a daydreaming boy. What the? What was that? There you go. Today is a beautiful day, and so will the next few days. Friday, sunny high of 62. Saturday, sunny high of 69. Sunday, high of 68. 
Monday, high of 70. It's almost like nature knows that we are no longer in winter. Right now, it is chilly. Well, let's get to some of the scary stuff out of the way. I don't know if you noticed, but we had force, we had a bunch of flooding. Flooding forces evacuations at SIU Carbondale, roadway closures across region, and the big muddy was expected to crest yesterday. Heavy rains and flash flooding over the weekend led to roadway closings and property damage in the Jackson, Williamson, and Perry County areas. Nearly 10 inches of rain fell. That was in a 24-hour period, and, you know, of course, it kept raining after that. With rainfall totaling between 3 and 6 inches in other areas, according to the National Weather Service in Paducah. On Saturday, tenants in the Econo Lodge Inn and Suites, located at 800 East Main Street in Carbondale, were relocated due to flooding in the building. Fox said second-floor tenants would be able to return Monday, while first-floor rooms would stay closed for several months. University Hall, a four-story housing unit in the east side of campus designated for juniors and seniors, experienced about 8 to 12 inches of flooding on its first floor over the weekend, Goldsmith said. About 180 students had to be relocated for remaining two weeks of the semester. Most were relocated to Snyder Hall. Quote, it is significant and unlike anything we have had to deal with in recent history, Goldsmith said. The university has brought in a disaster mitigation firm to clean up the water and replace the building's floorings. In a statement, Murfreesboro Emergency Management Agency warned that the Big Muddy at River at Murfreesboro is expected to crest at 40 feet on Thursday at 7 a.m., just below the 2011 record of 40.5 feet. Murfreesboro Emergency Management officials are currently working with the County Emergency Management to protect city infrastructure. On Sunday, a Pickneyville Ameren substation was struck by lightning and the majority of the town was without power for 12 hours. When the Perry County Courthouse basement flooded, officials had to bring in a generator in order to use a, pump, a sump pump so as to not lose vital records stored there. The Williamson County Emergency Management Agency said in a public information statement that several reports had been made concerning flooded roadways and homes. 17 county roads, 3 Marion roads, 8 Johnson City roads, and 2 roads in Heron were closed Sunday. Emergency management officials reminded motorists to stay clear of flooded roadways and to never drive into floodwaters. Individuals living in flood-prone areas should have a plan of action in place in case evacuation is necessary. Now, on Saturday myself, I had to uh, give my sister a ride to work across town and um, I got in the all-wheel drive car to drive across town thinking oh I can go through some water and it took me about an hour to find a place where the water was n shallow enough to drive across and um, there was actually city workers there that had gone out and checked the area and they basically told everybody who was driving through the water, drive really slow, stay in the center lane, and you might make it. 
because, of course, they can't say that you will make it because then they're liable if you stall out in the middle of it or whatever. And people did do that. Carbondale, the city of, was closed going across town until at least 1 o'clock on Saturday. Of course, there are still people who cannot get to their houses now because the river is high. Um, has anybody actually heard anybody having major problems with their houses being flooded? Um, please call us in and let us know about it. Now, before this flooding happened, there was the hundredth day of Trump's being in office. Hundreds of thousands demanded climate action in 90-degree weather on Trump's 100th day. Unseasonably warm temperatures didn't dampen turnout at the People's Climate March in Washington, D.C. And then the People's Climate March that happened in Carbondale, I guess deluges of rain didn't stop it. I mean, it stopped raining just long enough for the march to happen. According to the organizers count, and that's actually, you know, was on Saturday when the flooding was happening. So people braved the flood, made it through the flood, braved the rain to say climate action is needed. Saturday was a day of climate. Unseasonally warm temperatures didn't dampen the turnout at the People's Climate March in Washington. According to the organizers count, more than 200,000 people hit the streets with calls to fight climate change and oppose the Trump's administration's climate denial. Sister marches were held around the country and the world, and right here in Carbondale we had one of about 300 registered marches around the world. Quote, it isn't just about the animals, it's about people, our culture, our way of life, black people, Latinos, indigenous people, queer people. We are the new face of the climate movement, said Genesis of We Act for Environmental Justice. Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton tweeted in support of the march. President Trump, meanwhile, tweeted that he was looking forward to a big crowd, big energy for his 100th day rally in Pennsylvania. Wait, why was it in Pennsylvania? Anyway, on Friday, Trump's 99th day in office, the EPA scrubbed a climate change completely from its website. If you would like to see some pictures of the march in D.C., send us an email, info at yourcommunityspirit.org, and we will add you to our newsletter if you want to receive our newsletter, or we can just send you the link to the pictures of the march. Before we get into some more climate news, let me take a voice break. This is Ord Energy Mon, and remind you, nature is just around the corner. New York City creates climate change roadmap for builders, plan for a rising sea. The nation's largest city has a message for the architect and engineers planning the New York of tomorrow. Fortify new buildings against the ravages of climate change are risk rebuilding as global warming worsens. 
New guidelines issued last week by the Office of New York City Mayor Bill de la Blasio are some of the most comprehensive for how builders should protect infrastructure against rising seas, more powerful storms, and climbing temperatures. They draw on a science published in 2015 by a city panel of experts that estimates rainfall, sea level rise, and the other climatic shifts expected for the city in the decades ahead. For now, developers are not required to follow the recommendations, but the plan is for all city agencies to be using the guidelines for new projects by the end of the year according to Suzanne, Deputy Director of Infrastructure Policy for the Mayor's Office of Recovery and Resiliency. The New York City Panel on Climate Change study was a wake-up call for the coming damage from more frequent and and devastating extreme weather. By the 2050s, average temperatures in New York are expected to be 4 to 6 degrees higher, the guidelines state. Each year, there may be six heat waves, stretches of three or more days above 90 degrees compared with an average of about two in recent history. In response, the guidelines call for builders to consider more robust backup systems for power outages and to select air conditioning systems designed for higher temperatures. Builders should consider erecting shades over windows, angling edifices to avoid direct sunlight, or incorporating materials that absorbs the sun's heat. For sea level rise, the guidelines advise adding 16 inches to what current code requires for structures expected to be in use beyond 2040, and 3 feet for those expected to last a century. It also points to an interactive map created by the city that projects flood hazards into the future and overlays them on city streets. This is a very interesting map. I mean, literally, it's, you know, a map of the city, and you can say, if the water rises three inches, what will be underwater? Six inches, what will be underwater, etc. Quote, if the flood hazard mapper shows that the facility is expected to be inundated by high tides within its useful life, or if primary access roads are at a risk of inundation, the guidelines state very plainly, consider alternative site options, end quote. Klaus Jacob, a scientist who studies climate adaptation at Columbia University's Lamont Dorothy Earth Observatory, said the guidelines are in innova- innovation the guidelines are innovative, but only a small step toward what the city needs to be. Quote The real problem we have is that we still put a lot of infrastructure in low-lying areas, and this is a matter of zoning and land use policy, he said. I think it's fundamentally a positive step that the city has done this program. There's no doubt about it. My main problem that this is that this document doesn't cannot address the big problems. So, end quote. So they do what they can. isn't New York built where a swamp used to be? So, I mean, that's one issue. And so they will get serious issues when, as the sea level does rise. All right. A little voice break.
U.S. wind energy installation surge. A new turbine rises every 2.4 hours. Isn't there a song like that, like the answer is blowing in the wind? Every two and a half hours, workers installed a new wind turbine in the United States during the first quarter of 2017, marking the strongest start for the wind industry in eight years. According to a new report by the American Wind Energy Association released, this is timely, on May 2nd. Sometimes we have things that are up to date on this show. Nationwide, wind provided 5.6% of all electricity produced in 2016, an amount of electricity generation that has more than doubled since 2010. Quote, We switched on more megawatts in the first quarter than in the first three quarters of last year combined, Tom Kernan, CEO of the American Wind Energy Association, said in a statement. Much of the demand for new wind energy generation in recent years have come from Fortune 500 companies, including Home Depot, GM, Walmart, and Microsoft, that are buying wind energy in a large part for its low, stable cost. The significant increase this past quarter with 908 new utility-scale turbines came online is largely a result of the first wave of projects under the renewable energy tax credits that were extended by Congress in 2015, as well as some overflow from the previous round of tax credits. The tax credits gradual phase-out over a period of five years incentivize developers to begin construction in 2016, and those projects are now beginning to come online. The new installation figures also translate into continued job growth in America's wind power supply chain, which includes 500 factories and over 100,000 jobs, according to the American Wind Energy Association. (laughs) I think you guys are probably tired of hearing water flowing and rain. Um, I have this great CD of nature sounds, so I pull that up every once in a while. Let's talk about holidays. Today happens to be Cinco de Mayo, also International Tuba Day, Oyster Day, and Space Day. Coming up is Free Comic Book Day, Beverage Day, National Tourist Appreciation Day, National Nurses Day and No Diet Day, National Tourism Day, Monday is No Socks Day, and World Red Cross Day. Tuesday is Lost Sock Memorial Day. So you have no socks on Monday, and then you memorialize your lost socks the next day. Wednesday is Clean Up Your Room Day. Only once a year. That's it. There's one day for that. National Receptionist Day and School Nurses Day. And Thursday is Eat What You Want Day. Now, May is Date Your Mate Month, National Barbecue Month, National Bike Month, National Salad Month, and Older Americans Month. And we'll be right back with Happenings. We are a happening town. (laughs) 
Yep, I like this sound effect CD. Um, a lot of events got rained out last weekend and have been rescheduled for this weekend. Tonight, 6 to 8.30 p.m., For Kids' Sake 17th Annual Art Auction. For Kids' Sake Art Auctions raise money with the sale of artwork by American and Bengali children. These events have become great opportunities for Western children to learn about the lives of their peers in Bangladesh. The 17th Annual Art Auction opens tonight at 6 p.m., and they call it the Closing Celebration. Art, live music, raffles, gift baskets, a South Asian dinner, awards, and kids' activities. Again, that is 6 to 8.30 p.m. tonight at Long Branch Cafe and Bakery. Also tonight, Divination. From 6 to 11 p.m., Divination is at the Varsity Theater, oh, let's see, the Varsity Center for the Arts, will be hosting a performance art celebrating diversity through fashion. Inspired by gods and goddesses from across the world, the artistic director will be collaborating with local jewelers and makeup artists to create models that will Im- that will be embodying deities from ancient cultures. So the doors in silent auction open at 6 p.m. And it doesn't say it here, but I remember reading somewhere that this was a free entrance. Doors in silent auction open at 6, fashion show at 7, poetry at 8, live music at 9, and there is a long list of musicians and poets. Again, that's tonight, 6 p.m. to 11 p.m. at the Varsity Center. Another reschedule, or the Spring Cleanup and Recycling Day Round 2, is being planned by Keep Carbondale Beautiful to be held Saturday from 9 till noon at Attics Park. Executive Director Sarah Heyer said, quote, The cleanup on the 22nd, you know, that was Earth Day, brought out 50 brave souls, but others opted to take a rain check. So there will be a second round. Once again, Keep Carbondale Beautiful is putting out the call for public participation, especially from residents on the east side of Carbondale, which will be the focus of the May 6th cleanup. The cleanup will start with distribution of supplies and street assignments. Volunteers collect litter and recyclables, then leave their bags for the city crew to pick up and bring back to the park for weighing by the Rotary Club of Carbondale. Prizes are given out in several categories for the most litter collected. Lunch is provided with hot dogs from Arnold's Market and PB&J from Save-A-Lot. This year's t-shirts do have a special eclipse theme. And so, the Spring Cleanup and Recycling Day, round two, nine till noon at Attics Park. Also happening on Saturday... Solar Knowledge for Beginners at John A. Logan College, H Building, Room 123. I'm actually teaching. It says right here, Ord Energy Mon, Chief Tech of Advanced Energy Solutions Educator and Radio Personality, empowers you to get energized with renewable energy with smiles and a style that has made him and this talk a favorite for years. Um, 
I'm glad I didn't actually write that because that would be, um, I don't know, a little embarrassing to write something so wonderful about myself. Anyway, um, last time I checked, there was 12 people scheduled for the class um, tomorrow, and it is all day. Also happening on Saturday, Vigil for Peace and Justice. That's noon at the Carbondale Town Square. The Peace Coalition of Southern Illinois Fellowship of Reconciliation monthly Peace and Justice Vigil will be held from noon to one downtown at the Town Square Pavilion at the corner of Main Street and Illinois. Sandwiched between the People's Climate March and Mother's Day, which began as a call to end war, the vigil will have the theme Stop the War, Save the Planet, Mother Earth. We cannot effectively address climate change without ending war and militarism, and we cannot end war without ending the fossil fuel energy system that breeds both the climate crisis and war. Appropriate signs will be provided. The public is invited to join, and attendees are encouraged to bring their own sign. The Peace Coalition monthly meeting will follow at Cristado's Cafe and Bakery. Also on Saturday, I guess I'm lucked out that I have my solar class so I don't have to choose which one of all these great events to go to. Breaking the Surface and Open House at Touch of Nature Environmental Center, Saturday, 1 to 5 p.m. Breaking the Surface is a free community paddling event and open house. The event will start at 1 p.m. and go until 5 Visitors will be able to participate in open paddling on Little Grassy Lake. Paddling, you say? Yes, canoes, paddle boats, paddle boards will be available for use throughout the day. Paddlers may bring their own boats, but must have a Crab Orchard Wildlife Refuge stickers. Day passes will be available for purchase for each boat you bring. If you cannot drive to the event, there will be a free shuttle from the SIU Student Center at 1 p.m. and 3 p.m., and from Touch of Nature to SIU at 2.30 and 5.30 p.m. Visitors will also get the hike on Rocky Ledges Trail and experience other services and activities that Touch of Nature has to offer, such as the climbing wall and zip line. And then there will be refreshments available for purchase. They've got a zip line? I'm kind of scared of heights, but I've done a zip line once, and it was the most exhilarating thing I've ever done in my life. It's like now last weekend, the great cardboard boat regatta got rescheduled. Does anybody know when that will be? Um, I was thinking when they rescheduled it or when they canceled it that people could have just rowed their boats. I mean, that was Saturday morning when everything was flooded and people could have just got their cardboard boats and literally rowed to the event in the cardboard boat. Also on the schedule, Labyrinth Walk, Sunday, 8.30 to 9 a.m. at the Labyrinth Peace Park. The next monthly community walking meditation will be held on Sunday, May 7th from 8.30 to 9 a.m. at the Labyrinth Peace Park north of Gaia House, 913 South Illinois Avenue in Carbondale. 
All right, I, I just saw uh, the uh, the Great Cardboard Boat Regatta, which was rescheduled, is now set for May 6th. Um, so that is tomorrow at Evergreen Park's Carbonale Reservoir Boat Launch. Uh, registration inspections at 10 a.m. and racing starts at 1.